Hey everyone, I'm L. Jones, host of An Average Fan Podcast and the In-N-Out Hoops Podcast. You can find these shows currently streaming right now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Number one rule, continue, and always remember to rate, like, and subscribe to get notifications on when new episodes are out. Now, everybody, the moment you've been waiting on. The show. This is An Average Fan Podcast with your host, L. Jones. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's Navage Fam Podcast, your host L. Jones. Can't wait to talk week five of college football with you all. Some things that really caught my mind, caught my eye, shall I say. Things that are still stuck in my mind. From what I saw on Saturday, cannot wait to share them with you. We're going to start off. We had Georgia take on Auburn. Why was that a game? We'll talk about that. Um... Texas and Kansas, Washington taking on Arizona, a little bit too close for comfort, USC and Prime, how did that shake out? Um, some, some trends we're starting to pick up from what we're seeing this season, a back and forth fest between LSU and Ole Miss, I mean week five didn't miss, really if you want to be honest, week five was really supposed to be Kind of like, eh, you know, after the the high of week four that was college football, now we're talking about week five and everybody, not everybody, most people are kind of like, eh, it's one of those Saturdays, but really wasn't. It really wasn't. And it started actually Thursday was, eh, had some okay games. You just really got to be a, a fan, fan of college football to enjoy those type of games like the Thursday games. Friday had some bangers, and I think it kind of went unnoticed. But when we when we get to like close to the end of the year, right, November, we're gonna look back at some of these games that we saw late September, early October, and we're gonna be like, wow, wait, that happened then? So this week is pivotal in what we're about to see, what we're about to talk about. So hey, continue and always remember to rate, like, and subscribe. Comment. What are your thoughts on the episode? Hey, leave that out there. That stuff helps the podcast so much because honestly, we can't do it without you guys and don't really know if we you don't like what you're hearing. But I know you do because, you know, why not, right? Let's talk about quick topics right quick. We'll get into NBA Media Days kicked off. Yo, I'm hype, right? I love college football. Don't get me wrong. But when it comes to, like, basketball, look, man, I love a good hype show. So, Media Days kicked off. We're going to talk about those, you know, in the near future. Really get into some some round ball talk. Um, look, if you saw Jimmy Butler's new look, I mean, last year we got Roster Man. This year we get the emo. So Jimmy Butler is showing his versatility. Can't wait to see what that translates to on the court. Got new big three debuting out there in Phoenix. Yo, the Celtics. Picking up Drew Holiday. It's just so much going on in the association that is worth talking about it. So that is what it is with that. Now, back to that college football, because I told you it started before Saturday and it happened on Friday night. I don't know if y'all caught it, but look, top 10, number 10, Utah taking on number 19, Oregon State, in which was a great game. It was a great game. The environment in Corvallis went crazy, right? And as they should, you got Utah defending Pac-12 champion or the Pac-12 champion from last year. A lot of people don't like that whole defending thing because you're not defending this year. I mean, what are you doing? You're trying to get to the same thing everybody else is. Needless to say, what's understood doesn't have to be said. Besides this, Utah will need Cam Rising back. That's no understatement. They will need Cam Rising back, okay? It's not that the other guys have done a bad job, excuse me, but Utah, right, four and one now in the con, one and one in the conference. This game got away from them. It got away from them early, just just from a tone, just from the tempo, right, just how it just felt because of the home crowd. It was electric. It was a Friday night game. I mean, and Oregon State really took advantage of that home crowd. Really just blanked them, just controlled, they just dominated the game. DJ Uyunga 
14 to 25, 204 through the air. One touchdown did throw the interception. Uh, but hey, when you're your opponent, your guy you're going up against, the other quarterback, Nate Johnson, he went eight of 23 for 101 yards. So just not consistent. Really didn't have it going. I told y'all last week, Oregon State does have a rushing game. They did hold Damian Martinez to under 100, but as a team collectively going over the 131-yard mark, um, you get 18 on the ground from DJ. Silas chips in with 53. But it was just the defense, man. It was just that defense. Defense was playing good. They get they did get have three sacks on the game, um, as well as Utah. Very defensive battle. And it's just the little mistakes that Utah made. It ended up costing them. So this is very interesting for the landscape of the Pac-12. Oregon State's loss is to uh, Wazoo, Washington State. Utah's only loss to Oregon State. They play the other big guys, the big teams, the big names out there, right? I can't wait to see DJU go up against Oregon. For what it's worth, in its last installment, right? Probably so, being that Oregon is moving to the Big Ten. What does that look like? We know Dan Lanning can get the team up for a game. So I really can't wait to see that head-to-head matchup. So, whew. Hope you guys, if you didn't see that game, check it out on YouTube. Go look it up. Spare time. It's definitely worth a rewatch. All right. Next game. Georgia taking on Auburn. So, when we really just... We've come so accustomed to what Georgia has been. We all have a case of the short terms. And I think this is why teams are just so, I mean, not teams, but people are just so upset with their teams because of the short terms. Georgia has arguably had the most noted Short-term success in recent history. I mean, back-to-back national champions. Kirby comes over to, hey, let's let's be honest. Georgia has always recruited very, very good, just based off of its name. Um, always been known for their, their defensive guys, right? Their linebackers, D linemen, um, DBs, and running backs, for sure. And they haven't slacked up on that. They've actually taken it to a totally another level, totally higher level with Kirby. The thing is this, when you become mainstream, mainstream, right, the success that they have, you start picking up these fans that really just gravitate to the team because of the logo, really no ties, right, because it's one of those teams where you just grew up watching. You you get a lot of angst sometimes, right, and even in the older fans, you'll have that angst, right, that Something's not clicking with this Georgia team right now. But you have to look at the landscape of college football. Nothing is the same anymore. I mean, everything seems like it's wide open at the top. Georgia's number one, but they're not Georgia, the number one team that we've seen in the past. You could say the same thing for Alabama this year. Look how much the script has flipped. When people are talking about Michigan being the actual best program as far as a complete team. And that's no knock on Michigan, right? But they haven't always been up there. They've had moments. But look at where they're at now. Now they have the chance to prove that this is not a moment. This is the this is the new norm for them. Because they have games that they can't afford to lose because going back to what they were just won't cut it in this day and age in college football. So back to Georgia and Auburn. I'm not going to light into Georgia. But I'm going to say the obvious in maybe a way that 
you haven't heard it said, right? I would never think a quarterback like Peyton Thorne would be able to channel his inner Cam Newton and rush for 92 yards on Georgia's defense. Listen at me, because I actually watched this game, okay? And I get it. I didn't I didn't watch the all 22, okay? Not yet, at least. When I did watch that game, and I did watch the just you could feel the game flow, right? That's not the same Georgia team we've been used to seeing. Now, that doesn't mean, obviously, they can't reach certain levels. And I think Kirby will get them playing a little bit better because they got a big one coming up this week. But you just can't. I mean, for what it's worth, and this is why it's so wide open, you take a team like Auburn, who is 3-2 and two, and 0-2 oh and in the conference, right? So basically their two losses are conference losses, right? This game was close. We're talking about a we're talking about a 10-10 game at halftime. Right? 17 all going into the fourth. Then Georgia pulls away. Peyton Thorne, a transfer from Michigan State, had 92 yards on the ground. As a team. Auburn was able to run for over 200 yards on UGA's defense. Am I talking crazy? Is it Georgia hate? No, it's no Georgia hate. The better the teams are, the worse the teams are. It doesn't matter. It gives me something to talk about. There's no hatred. There's no disdain for Georgia, but damn. That ain't Kirby like. That's all I know. Now, hey, granted, their defense, which we figured they would have issues with in the secondary. They've been kind of struggling finding that other corner. We know what their back end is, right? With Bullard. Bullard is <laughs> dude's a thumper. He's gonna go out there and he's gonna lay it out there. He's gonna lay somebody out like that. Dude's coming downhill with bad, ill intent. So that's his game. That's who he is. But they held those receivers to 88 yards. Now, mind you, I don't think the game plan was really like, hey, let's get out here. Let's get after it. We're going to spread them out. Nah, nah. They played a physical brand of football. And it was a great game to watch, like, Watching Carson Beck having his growing pains. These are things they're going to go through, right? They had 313 yards through the air and only 107 yards on the ground. As much as we don't like to really talk about it, hey, guess what's going to end up happening when you pass more than you run, even on a day-to-day in practice? It's going to be reflected on your defense, for sure. If you're getting passed on, you're getting more reps. They're going to have to clean up the run game, okay? Edwards going for, he had two touchdowns, 76 yards, 19 carries, not too bad of a day. But you want to see a little bit more. If Auburn, with no stud stud, was able to go off on over, and granted, most of that came from Peyton Thorne. So Georgia will be fine. But like I said, they got a test. And that ain't that's not a good look where you're going to go up against a team this week coming up, talking about Kentucky, in which their running back went off for over 200 himself. Right? Again, now, granted, that's Florida, and Florida is what it is when they're not in the swamp. But this just sets up for a typical, um, hey, Georgia's vulnerable. Okay, light switch, flip. 
they just go off. Georgia just goes off. This one of the game, right? We saw it last year. All the talk was, oh, they struggled against Kent State. Eh, I don't know about this team. Do you do we remember that? Oh, they look horrible against Missouri. They are vulnerable. Georgia's vulnerable. All Tennessee's coming in with all these wide receivers. They're gonna they're gonna spread them out. They're gonna. You get my drift. You get my point, right? Kentucky, you better look out. Because you're coming to Athens. They will be ready. Kirby will have them boys fired up. Because if they give up 200 yards again on the ground, they will definitely lose this one. That one really stuck in my crow, y'all. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to go all into that the way it did. But we just got to keep it real when it comes to what we're actually seeing out of certain teams. And it's not like Georgia's far off. And I and I get why a lot of fans are panicking right now and they're they're really not happy with the product they're seeing. But they're not the only team going through this. Michigan's not going through it, though. Let's talk about them. Michigan Wolverines took on Nebraska, the Cornhuskers. 45 to 7? Hmm? 45 to 7? Can we talk about that? Michigan looks like Jim Harbaugh might be right about J.J. McCarthy being generational. Y'all, he might be right about J.J. being generational. Okay, I might be trolling a little bit, but he's definitely not the reason that they're struggling. Okay, 5-0 on the season. Defense looks better than ever. That's what happens when you get guys from the NFL come in and coach these schemes. College teams, man, they can't deal with the, they can't deal with the NFL defense, man. You're, especially if you got speed out there, that that's that's just a game changer. So let's get into it. JJ had himself another day, only four incompletions. He was 12, 12 of 16, 156 yards, two touchdowns. Blake Corum. 74 yards, uh, one touchdown on the day. Everybody's worried about Donovan Edwards. He had 14 carries for 48 yards. Khalil Mullings getting some run. Keep your eyes on on this guy, right? Big dude, right? 6'2", about 230. Him running the football could be dangerous. Broke off a nice little 20-yard touchdown run. Could be dangerous, especially later in the season when it gets a little bit colder out. Michigan had 249 yards on the ground. The thing about them is, if you can't jump out early on Michigan, you're not going to beat them. You have to jump out early and stay on them. It's the obvious. Their style is still not been proven to be conducive to come back from behind. They are a great defensive team right now. They always have good defenses. Michigan <laughs> always has good defenses. I think now that they're hitting that national spotlight, the nation is starting to know that Michigan has good defense. Typically, they're usually in the top 10 every year in defense unless they have a really, really bad year. But typically, they're top 10. You can you can go fact, that, fact check that right now. Um, and that's what will make the matchups between them and Ohio State good at the end of the season is because – Hey, you got this now. You got this new offensive juggernaut under Ryan Day coming in here against this defensive minded, just tough nosed Michigan team. Past two years, Michigan's been handing Ohio State their ass in their hands. So they're not changing, right? The only thing Michigan will do is evolve. And how does that evolution happen? That evolution happens through J.J. McCarthy. If J.J. McCarthy is able to keep evolving as a quarterback, the game starts to slow down for him. Him being dangerous with his legs, because he does have speed, right? Him being dangerous with his legs and the things he's able to do. Couple that with that defense, this is what makes that team dangerous. When the D-line can get after you, when your corners and your back end can play lockdown, and then they can play possession in this new day and age of this clock, 
Michigan can wane on you. And the next thing you know, because in the second half, they're usually dominant. I'm surprised they gave up that little garbage touchdown um, at the end, close to the end of the fourth quarter, because usually you don't get anything on Michigan in the second half. The only thing that can really stop Michigan, I feel like this year, is Michigan. I think they really have to keep the main thing the main thing, focus on what they're trying to achieve. Because that Ohio State game, I think, in my opinion, this year could be a trap game for them. Just looking ahead, unfortunately, right? Penn State game will be interesting because it'll give them a feel of what national talent will be like making it to that college football playoff because that's one of their goals, right? They win the Big Ten. They're definitely in that playoff. My thing is this. We're starting to see them play the way Ohio State was playing, dominant on defense, offense, humming, kicking. They can run it on you. They can pass it on you. I feel like Michigan's downfall against TCU was just the the cockiness. And if they're able to dial it back, they'll, they'll three-peat. But I think if they get in over their head, they can slip up. But this is a good, solid Michigan team. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. Now, how they translate nationally, that still remains to be seen. But there's their buzzsaw on their opponent. They're chopping them down. So, good luck to playing them right now. Texas took on Kansas. We're so hyped, right? We're so hyped on Kansas at the beginning of every season. We always are. It's like a thing. You have teams that notoriously they will start out like 3-0, and 4-0, 5-0. Next thing we know, we're like, hey, this, this could be the year. This team just looks so dangerous. And then they end up losing like five of the next six and barely becoming bowl eligible. This is what happens when the schedule toughens up. Later in the year hits, injuries start to toll, all that good stuff, right? Kansas has been playing good. It's just that you're playing a team who is on a different level in Texas. But this is how the snowball effect starts. It only takes one. We're talking about 13-7 to at halftime. Things look troublesome. But they really don't. Texas had full control of the game. They were able to walk away with a 40-14 victory. They got Red River coming up. Big game, right? You're taking on the Oklahoma team who has been playing sound defense. And that is something you have not heard probably since the Stoops days, right? Because you damn sure didn't hear it during the Lincoln Rally days. And we're going to talk about that man heavy. Texas, Oklahoma will be a very good game. No doubts about it, Okay. Dylan Gabriel got hurt last year, and Texas just smacked Oklahoma. Interested to see what that looks like this year. Very interested to see what it looks like. Can't wait, right? So Kansas was without their star quarterback, Jalen Daniels. He was out. Jason Bean gets the start. 9-21, 136 yards, one touchdown. Rushing-wise, you're not going to get a lot on that Texas defense. They did give up 124 yards on the ground, though, on 25 carries. One thing one thing about it, though, one thing about it, you got to beat Texas. We know it starts with the run game. We know it starts with the run game. Jonathan Brooks was able to run off 218 yards alone. I Look. I told you Saturday was a day where they told us wasn't supposed to get a lot. We had two guys that we know of in Power 5 football who ran for over 200 yards themselves, okay? And they said it was supposed to be a slow week. C.J. Baxter giving you 67 yards. As a team, collectively, they ran for 336 yards, okay? Let that sink in because – just that alone would have been enough to outgain what Kansas did as a collective whole, right? 
Then Quentin Ewers went and he threw 325 on top of that. So they had he threw he had a touchdown. He did have the interception, but he was 25 or 35. So Quentin Ewers was Quinn Ewers. AD Mitchell, man. Just they can hate on the tra- look. The transfer portal is not a bad thing. Sometimes we have good inventions, good ideas that just people with ill intent, they they get it, right? They they can use it for the wrong reasons. But that doesn't mean that that's what that device, that thing, whatever was used for. I'm just saying transfer portal has helped a lot of teams out. A.D. Mitchell, 10 receptions, 141 yards, and a tutty. I'm telling you, the transfer portal is not a bad thing, even though we get tired of seeing kids entering in and out of it, but we don't always know what goes on behind the scenes, what's promised. Some kids just want to play, man. They want to showcase their talent. So, A.D. Mitchell, two-time national champion with Georgia, brings that experience over. Texas is cooking, man, but they got them. They got a beast to say in Oklahoma. That Oklahoma game ain't going to be just, yeah, Texas going Texas on them. Texas got to bring it. I think this will be a, that'll be an interesting game to actually keep your eye on. on. Penn State, they took on Northwestern, beat them 41-13. to 13. Another slow start for Penn State, man. These are trends. These are things we're picking up. This is, this is week five, y'all. We're seeing certain things, okay? Penn State is so good on defense. So they can allot themselves some time to break in Aller with that offense. We'll see what Mike Yersich is able to do, really, just to be honest, because it's about to start getting real for Penn State when it comes to what they have in front of them, okay? Because schedule-wise, yo, it's about to pop off. You got UMass. You got UMass on the 14. Okay? Then you take on Ohio State on the 21st. You get a semi-bye week in between that, right? You play Indiana, IU. Then you have Maryland and Michigan the next two weeks. It gets real. That Ohio State game is definitely circled because I know they feel like that this is their chance. They feel like they can go in there and win that game. There is no elite passer for Ohio State this year. That's a game James Franklin has to have. He has to have it. Reason being, next year it might not hold so much weight with the playoff expanding the 12 teams. It's in the Big Ten, obviously, just based off of who they will have in their conference alone. You got Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA, Maryland, right? Wisconsin. You have so many teams now that even if he was to get Ohio State next year, Who's to say that's not the only game Ohio State loses? Like, it matters this year. It matters. Franklin needs to do it. Like, his program needs him to take that step and start to slay the beast. We've heard this chatter, and we don't like to put mandates on people, but I really think he has to maximize this opportunity he has in front of him. Because if he doesn't do it this year, man, yeah. Damn, I don't think you'll do it next year. So everything lines up. It's just, can Yersich get that offense going? Cause, because if he can't, and they're in certain games where their defense might be on the field a little bit more than they should be, it could get ugly. We've seen them get off to slow starts. They can't afford to keep having that happen. Washington took on Arizona. In a game in which it was just a seven-point victory, a lot of people love what Washington is, and you can't knock it. 
even though he didn't have a touchdown. Michael Penix threw for 363 yards. The man has over 2,000 yards already on the season. He's played five games. He has over 2,000 yards. Over 2,000 yards, y'all. The man is doing it. The wide receiver room is crazy. Quavis and Unduzi and Bernard, Dylan Johnson. They're a deep room. There was a lot of hype around certain rooms earlier, right? Earlier on when the season began, quite naturally. But the year always goes out there and it shows you that, hey, somebody you really might have been overlooking. Really might have been overlooking. I didn't like this game for Washington. It's just too much. But maybe they were just overlooking (laughs) Arizona. Because they're off this week, and then the next game they have, it'll be against Oregon. That'll be a big one. Can't wait. to Can't wait. Bart Scott and his thing. Can't wait to see that one. Moving on. USC, Colorado. Man, that spread was, what, 21 in favor of uh, USC? 21? Spread was 21, y'all. I'm not going to pat myself on the back. I'm just going to be let it be known. I was probably one of the few who even dared to speak it out of their mouth and let it be heard amongst people who stream that I had a feeling about this USC Colorado game and that I would not be surprised if the game was close ish. Right. Didn't definitely say, I didn't say Colorado would win, but I just felt like, This could be a Heisman matchup, right? Shador, Caleb. And so the funny thing about life is when you make certain statements and proclamations, like you get, you kind of get tested and tried, right? Goes along with the process. So it did not look great for my pronostication of this game at first. And that's why they continue to play the game. USC came out and they did what we knew that they would do. Beat the crap out of them early. We knew. We knew because we know how potent Lincoln Riley's offense is. It is his gift and it is his curse. His offense is so good. Right? It's like, let's take another sport, basketball. You're so good with your right hand, you feel as if you really don't need to develop the left. Okay, so in this one, they they took a huge lead and it just looks like it's over. I mean, there's nothing Colorado can do. Like they get a couple first downs. They go hyper tempo. They shoot themselves in the foot. They shoot themselves in the foot again. And then they're punting. USC's getting it. They're not shooting themselves in the foot. They're shooting the ball down the field. It's an open man running free. This defense, we knew what would happen. We knew what what happened. I don't know why the spread was so large for the simple fact that USC's defense is pure, utter, just, I got young listeners, I can't go off like that. But they are not good. They are cheeks, y'all. They are not good. And I say that because there's really no point and there's no point in this game where it ever should have been close. One would even, one would even argue the fact that if Colorado has better clock management, we might be having a different conversation. Shador Sanders and Caleb Williams gave us a show y'all. They gave us a show. Caleb Williams, 30 of 40, 403 yards, six touchdowns and an interception. The man is a man amongst boys, right? He is him. Mama, there goes that man. We know that. Shador Sanders. Also not nothing to wipe your nose at 30 of 45, 371, four touchdowns, one interception. 
here is what's going to get you. Listen to what I said. Shador Sanders was 30 or 45 for 371 yards. Secondary got cooked. Y'all, it ain't like USC got a whole bunch of just nobodies. They got cooked. 371 yards. Credit to Shador, that offensive staff, putting it together and exposing the holes that is USC. And, I mean, USC had some moments in a couple other games, and we're just going to chalk it up to it's like, eh, gift and the curse, y'all. The offense is so potent. The defense don't have to be. But they need to be to accomplish what Lincoln Riley needs to do and he needs to have for his career. That's just in my eyes. That's just my humble opinion because he's just a great offensive talent. Why would you not want that title just to just to kiss? Like you already got the Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks. <laughs> Can you get a defense to go with that ish, please? Man, I'm struggling, y'all. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm trying to hold it back, okay? That was not the only thing. They gave up 193 yards on the ground. <laughs> Listen to me. They gave up 193 yards on the ground. USC. Now we understand. Now we see why they lost against Utah last year. I'm not about to out no coordinators collectively as a unit. I'm charging it just to the head man himself. Lincoln Riley's got to get that fixed. Because honestly, I think if they have a defense, they are the number one ranked team. And can't nobody argue that. If their defense is just as good as maybe like a, a Oregon, a Washington, they, this is a different conversation. Their defense is just like Colorado's defense. And I don't know if it was a mental block in this game because they were so far ahead. They just felt like, hey, we're going to win this easy. But bad habits going to show up in games. You don't need them to. Shout out to the freshman, Amarion Miller, man. Seven receptions, 196 yards, and a touchdown. Jimmy Horn, Jr., this is another wide receiver room, y'all. Xavier Weaver, Michael Harrison, Jimmy Horn Jr. Now you throw in a Marion. This is a wide receiver room. Big 12, good luck next year. Colorado coming to kick all y'all behind. I'm just saying. It is what it is. They coming for you. They ain't hard to find. Taj Washington on the opposite end for USC. He balled out. Brendan Rice, welcome back to the Colorado Folsom Field. Y'all didn't love me. Get what I'm going to do to you. Drop two touchdowns on your head. That's right. Do your thing. Mario Williams still balling out out there. Uh, he he had a touchdown. I mean, <laughs> but he was giving them out. Like I said, they went for 403 through the air. Too many concerns for USC. You really don't want to put your eye on them. You're only going to watch them for the highlights. USC's got to put this together because I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to put it on wax right now. I'm putting it on wax right now. Okay? They have a hard stretch to end the end of the season. After this Arizona game, which they might, they might want to keep their head on the swivel and, and learn from the mistakes that Washington made that almost – had them not winning that game, right? A little just too close for comfort. You don't like to you don't like to see too much of that. Okay. After that, you have Notre Dame, and that's at Notre Dame. We know Caleb beat them last year. The defense is good. They might be in trouble because Notre Dame likes to run the football. And if you gave up 193 yards to this Colorado team, some of them bad tendencies might creep up in that game, and you don't need that to happen. Because if if Notre Dame is able to rush the football on USC, 
Good night, Heisman Trophy, back-to-back years. Then you got Utah to follow that up. You get a little break because you get Cal, but then you get Washington and Oregon in back-to-back weeks, and then you end the season with UCLA. Yo, it's the Pac-12 gauntlet. Good luck with that. Got to get some stuff right. You got to get this figured out, Lincoln. Got to get it figured out. You got too much talent. You can't let it go to waste. Oregon's not letting it go to waste. Oregon, victors, 42 to 6. Don't even need to talk about this game. <laughs> they they just fine-tuning. LSU, Ole Miss, what a crazy game. 49 to 55. That's right. 49 to 55. LSU has two losses. And they still rank. They only have one loss in the SEC. This is where it's about to get interesting, y'all. Alabama plays A&M this week. Alabama's one loss is non-conference. They've already beaten no Miss. Still got to play LSU. In which, it's funny. Because when we look at this game, when we when we check out like when we check out the the simple stacks, right? The box score and what it says about this game. It's one thing to note. Ole Miss was able to run for 317 yards. Bama is going to have a field day with LSU. 317 yards and gave up 55 points to a team Alabama held to 10. It's about to be some problems. It's about to get ugly. Elliot, <laughs> hey, Ole Miss might, oh no, Ole Miss might mess around and take the SEC West. I'm just saying, surely in their hands, surely it's in their hands. Other than that, we saw a great game. Just a great game. Ballers. Jaden Daniels still shutting me up, right? I don't know. Somebody told him my comments. He must have heard them. Told him I wasn't a fan. The man said, hold my jock strap, 27 to 36, 414, four touchdowns, no interceptions. How do you do? Jaden Daniels was balling. He didn't stop there. He gave him 99 on the ground and a touchdown. Five total touchdowns. That's right. It just sucks that his team has two losses because he might be in the Heisman Trophy chatter. Jackson Dart rebounding, getting that Alabama L up off of him, 26-39, 389 yards, four touchdowns. Quinshawn Jenkins, the man who we all know is him, Alabama said, nah, he returned this week, 33 carries, 177 yards. Man is a monster. The former Notre Dame running back, now an LSU Tiger, Logan Diggs, 101 yards on the ground, 19 carries, two touchdowns. Whew. Just high scoring. Malik, Malik Neighbors, another 100-yard game. Brian Thomas, 124 yards. They just cooked, but their defense didn't. They needed to get more stops, and they could not. That defense did not look good for LSU. It's just... It's just not a promising sign, right? I would feel confident in LSU beating Alabama, like confident, confident, if they could stop the run, but they just can't. And if you can't stop Alabama from running and they're going to have to run and then that opens the path, you're, you're about to get smoked, especially with that defense. Defense ain't playing no games. It's definitely, it definitely will be an interesting matchup seeing Kool-Aid lined up against Malik Neighbors. Not going to lie. Kind of about to nerd out on that one. That'll be good to see. Boy, we had another good one. Another late night game for Notre Dame. That's right. They took on Duke, number 11, taking on 17. We heard all the Riley chatter all week, the Riley Leonard chatter. But it was just Notre Dame, their experienced quarterback, that defense did enough for them to win. Audrick Estime was able to get the game ceiling touchdown to take this game in which Notre Dame has been looking 
dare I say, not as good as they were in weeks preview to the Lou Holtz comments. I'm just saying. Um, Duke is not a bad team, right? They did beat Clemson, and regardless of what you say about Clemson, Clemson does have studs on their team. They have guys. Duke beat those guys. But I just think the style of ball that Notre Dame plays, it really wore on Duke. It was very physical. They were hidden. They were popping. I mean, it, it looked almost like a replay of Notre Dame and Ohio State. It just – two offenses really couldn't move the ball. Good defensive play, just good sound. But then a couple of breaks here and there, and then the second half you got doors opening up. So – all in all, it was a good defensive battle, good game. What did I learn? Duke. Duke's got something brewing. They got something brewing. And the other thing I learned is that no matter how it looks, Notre Dame controls their destiny for making a conversation for the playoff. And the weirdness that is the 2023 college football season, Notre Dame is able to go out there and go undefeated the rest of the year. Their only loss being to Ohio State. If Ohio State holds up their end, there's only a one-loss team. Notre Dame could possibly have a conversation just how the season plays out. The USC game is a that's a golden ticket type of game, though. They have to have that in the worst way, especially with it being at home. Probably should have saved the green jerseys for them. Wonder will they bring them back out. Speaking of green, there was a lot of green grass in Kentucky – and guess who saw it? Ray Davis, 26 carries, 280 yards. My average, not so average fan player of the week. Oh my goodness. Ray Davis, have, look. Who would have thought if I told you before the game that Graham Hurt, Graham Mertz was only gonna go, only gonna go 25 or 30, 244 yards? And two touchdowns. And they lost. By double digits. I haven't seen Graham have a game like that in a minute. But man, when your defense gives up, and that's what I was alluding to with Georgia earlier. If I mean, Georgia is going to be keyed in on Ray Davis for sure. Because the one thing they're probably going to bank on is the fact that Devin Leary, Devin Leary, Cannot have a 9 of 19, 69 yard game. He can't have that against Georgia. It's going to be tough on the road. But Ray Davis, if he's able to pop off, if he's able to pop his stuff, I'm telling you. If Kentucky beats Georgia, man, the world is not right. Something is definitely wrong. Something's off, okay? Something is off. But Kentucky took that one 33 to 14. I mean, the SEC East is in shambles because Georgia's dominant, but they're not dominant as in the years past, but they're dominant SEC East-wise because Tennessee is like, I don't know, what is Tennessee? And then Florida's like, nah, I really don't want to be good. And you got Kentucky, who Kentucky's usually always undefeated until they play Georgia. And then y'all know how this story goes. I told you, like, seen I've seen it before. Maybe this time it'll be different, but the last couple last couple remakes of that rendition, when Kentucky's been, oh man, they undefeated, they're taking on Georgia, they look good. Oh, Georgia wins by double digits comfortably. Guess who else is undefeated? Ain't nobody really talking about, and that's Missouri. They're five and zero. They just beat Bandy thirty eight to twenty one. It's a lot of good ball out here. A lot of good ball. Other notable games, uh, Tennessee took on South Carolina. They are, are winners, 41-20. to 20. Oklahoma, they took down Iowa State, 50-20. to 20. As I told y'all, they got that Red River matchup coming up next week. Alabama's winners, 40-17. to 17. Bounce back type numbers right there for you. How did y'all like week five? We got some good games week six, though. Cannot, cannot fret, cannot fret. Look, okay, we got some bangers. Coming off at noon, starting it off, okay? You got Oklahoma taking on Texas, Red River. You already know what it is with that game. You got Maryland. Maryland takes on Ohio State. Maryland 5-0, Ohio State 4-0. Ohio 
Ohio State will desperately need to get their offense going in this game. Their defense has been playing pretty good, but this obviously is a different type of air attack than they saw with Western Kentucky. So they will be tested, and it won't be just the secondary. They're going to they're gonna run the ball too. So Ohio State fans, man, just have your – have your headache medicine, your drinks ready for this one. Uh, should be a good game. They got they're the early 19 and a half point favorite, so keep your eye on that during the week. LSU and Missouri, another good game because we're gonna find out more about Missouri in this game here. Because if they're able to hand LSU back to back losses, that really that really quiets what I was saying about the SEC being East being weak with a six and zero Missouri team waiting on Georgia. Um Washington take Washington State takes on UCLA and which should be a good matchup. Um Texas A and M and Alabama. You gotta keep your eyes on that one. That is the three thirty game on CBS. Seven PM you get that Kentucky and Georgia clash. Pretty sure they're gonna have the lights and everything going. They did it to Marcus Freeman again. He will be on prime time. I guess they love Notre Dame. Notre Dame will be taking on Louisville, and which is another game Notre Dame has to have. Louisville, they look human last week. I picked them to be my ACC Dark Horse team. This is not an official ACC game, so I'll be all right. But I would love to see Louisville get a win in that one um, just because I picked them. Miami taking on Georgia Tech. Miami, watch out in this one. Y'all been playing lights out, shutdown, but just watch out for this one. This could be one of those games you need to really just keep your eye out on things and then in the nightcap you got two pac 12 games you got oregon state taking on cal and then you got arizona taking on usc caleb about to put up another 400 yards of passing yards probably another maybe 30 or 40 on the ground give or take but this has been your wholesale jones this has been your college football week five breakdown hope you enjoy it continue to rate like and subscribe we out